0: Morning, everybody. It's good to be together this morning. <clears throat> I'd love to have you find your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter twenty. Uh, John chapter twenty. Man, it's this is um, this is a highlight of my week. Uh, getting getting a chance to to be together uh, as God's people, a portion of God's people, uh, just. Ordinary folks who love Jesus and get a chance to come together and sing together and pray together and learn together. Uh, This is a beautiful thing. And so thank you for for just who you are. Thanks for uh, being a part of this thing called the church that that God is doing, shaping us into a peculiar kind of people. Some of us are already there. Uh, Larry, uh, for one, is a peculiar person. Um. But uh, that God is at work shaping us and molding us into the kind of people that have the sort of the essence of Jesus. So that as we live in the world, there's this like, uh, there's this impact that God has through his people as we live in this world a different kind of way. And so I hope you know that. I hope you have this sense this morning that God loves you, that God is for you, that God uh, is with you. And has been with you throughout this week even in moments when he didn't feel like it that God sees whatever situation you're going through and God is drawing you to himself drawing you to his heart drawing you to experience his love I hope I hope you experience that now and uh and throughout the rest of our, our morning together um and even through this evening somebody tells me there's a football game going on tonight am yeah. excited about that all I know is the Browns aren't playing like that's the the only thing that matters in my world is that the Browns are not playing um a Browns fan, and uh, they were close. They were like one draft pick away, I think, from a Super Bowl season, so maybe next year we'll be there. For those of you who don't know, the Browns were 0-16 this year, and um, so my daughter, funny quick story, my, this has nothing to do with the sermon, by the way. Um, my daughter, uh, they usually set their clothes out the night before, and then it makes getting ready in the morning a little bit easier, a little bit less stress, and so she picks out this really cool orange shirt, that says Cleveland on the front of it. it has a little number, and it's this fake Cleveland Browns jersey that she pulled out of a drawer somewhere, and so she's going to wear it to school on like wednesday and uh, and so I see her in the morning and it's like you know getting breakfast, and I'm so like, "Honey, do you know do you know what that shirt is?" she's like, "No, it's just a, just an orange shirt I really like." She's like, "What is it?" I said, well that's a, that's a Browns jersey." and she's like, "Do we like them?" <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, we do um, it's kind of in our blood, and so. Um, but let me tell you a little about the Browns. They didn't win a single game this whole season. They're historically bad, and she's like, "Oh, I might go change." I was like, <laughs> "I think that's a wise choice." Like sending my my third grade lamb among wolves in school, they might not be so gracious to you. So, so she changed, and all is well. But uh, uh, seriously, though, uh, the the Super Bowl it is it is it is happening. You know, in our a um, culture kind of, uh, you know, circles around the TV sets to be able to, to, be able to watch these games, and it does, it, these kinds of things create for us missional opportunities, opportunities to be with people, to do more than just as, as people are coming to watch a game, it gives us opportunities to, to have conversations with people. Uh, to, maybe to invite people, uh, into our space to be able to watch this game together that otherwise wouldn't be there. Like, maybe there's somebody who God is maybe putting on your heart even now to say, like, I wonder what they have going, what if we invited them over tonight to, to, to be here and to just watch the game together and experience it. But we're going to have some conversation, we're going to be curious, we're going to get to know their stories, we're going to value these people. So it's a great opportunity, um, whether, whoever we're watching the game with to, to, um, to go beyond the game and, uh, And to experience relationships in it. So this morning, what we are doing is we're wrapping up this series. The series that we've been in from the first week of the year called Bells. Where we're trying to just say, what would it look like for us as a uh, a people of Jesus to take on these missional habits? These missional practices that can kind of reform how we live in the world. And it, it's all part of our vision as a church. Our vision um, as a church for the last year has been uh, to replicate Jesus, being disciples who make disciples. And so we, we want, hopefully this is not new to you unless you're new to the church, and then, hey, by the way, here it is. Um, hopefully you've heard this before if you've been around. Because we want everything we do to point this direction, to, to look at Jesus and to say, to follow what the New Testament talks about, of saying, you know, follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave his life for us. Like, look to Jesus. Have the same attitude in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Like, there's this imitation, replication language all over the New Testament. And so uh, we want to do that. We want to look to Jesus and to begin to take his character, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us so that we get formed more and more in a Jesus kind of way as disciples who make disciples, to give our lives away to make disciples of Jesus, of those who aren't yet disciples. And so now, look, sometimes I'll get, um, or as pastors, we'll get asked the question, but what exactly is a disciple? Like, how do you define that? What's a, what's a working definition of discipleship? And I think that's a really great question. So maybe, m- maybe you would have a different definition, but here's the one that we're working with as a church. That a disciple of Jesus is somebody whose life is moving in three different directions. It's really simple. The first direction is up. A disciple of Jesus is somebody who's moving up, cultivating a relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That, that we're making this relationship our, our highest priority. To, to, to believe that God is active in our lives, that we can live life with God, that the Spirit is speaking to us and moving in us. And so we want to like, cultivate this relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Secondly, we want to be the kind of people who move in, in community, Christ-centered community with others. This is what church is about. We're spiritual family. We love each other. We share our gifts with each other, that when one of us is, is hurting, uh, we move toward that person, and we care, and we love, and we're, we're with one another. That a disciple of Jesus is in this Christ-centered community. We're not off on our own somewhere, just sort of like me and Jesus. We're actually in the body of Christ. And then the third direction is out, on mission, in the places we live, work, and play. So up, in, and out. Um, it's pretty simple, right? I mean, you can remember that, hopefully. Um, we, you can, Howard leads an aerobics class where these are the up, in, out together. So you can come and check with him text him about that. Um, right after the service, join Howard in the front and he'll lead that. So um, these, these five habits that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, they're all moving in these different directions. They're just simple ways of saying, okay, like this is, this is one way to do this. For example, uh, to bless. What directions and you can shout it out, what directions does, does blessing take us? Up, in, or out? Out? And in, right? Because we want to be people who bless people throughout the week and we said two of those people are going to be people from the church we're in community with and maybe one of those persons is somebody who's not yet a follower of Jesus. So it's in and out. What about eating with others? What directions do, does this habit take us? In and out, exactly. Uh, same, same deal. Eat with people who are, who are in community with you and also who, who, are, who are not. Listen to the Spirit. What direction does this take us? up, right? Is there another one? In. Do we ever hear the voice of the Spirit from others? We listen together as a church? Absolutely. So uh, what about learn Christ? As we're like immersing ourselves in the Gospels, learning Jesus. We do that individually, right? It's, uh, it's up, but it's also in. We don't just like study Jesus and learn Jesus to, uh, on our own. We actually do this together as a church as well. So I wanted to just take a couple minutes here at the beginning to just kind of like clarify. these habits will move us in these three directions. Um, And so being a disciple of Jesus, it's not like, it's not hard. It's not like it's going to create a lot of, oh man, that's going to be a heavy burden I have to bear and I've got to like, I've got to do all this extra stuff and whatever. It is, it is actually the most beautiful way to live. That the kind of life Jesus is calling us into is the most beautiful and the most compelling way to live. And, um, and it's freeing when we actually begin to do this. And so while it's not heavy, while it's not a heavy burden, it does take intention to do it. Like, right? I mean, to be a disciple is going to say, I'm going to like purposefully live this way. It's not going to happen by accident. And so that's, that's where this series uh, hopefully has been helpful to say, like, these, we want to move this direction with some intention as we begin this year. So the, the last habit we want to uh, talk about today is, the, is the, the S, which means sent. Sent. And so here, here's one practice that we can develop this week. To spend time journaling this week, journaling about ways you are helping others experience God's kingdom. So here's the deal, is like what would happen if you just took five minutes this week? And maybe some of you are overachievers and you'll do this like every single day, uh, but don't need to. What would happen if you just took five or ten minutes this week and sat down and prayerfully you, you open a notebook and you just say, God, where were you at work in my life this week? And how was I able through my actions, through my words, whatever it was, to help other people experience your kingdom, your presence? And you just you make a journal, and and maybe there are like some things that God brings to mind. It's like, oh, you know, like when you, when you actually, when you spoke that word to that person who was discouraged, when you put your hand on their shoulder and offered a prayer for them, you were, they were, you were helping them experience God's kingdom. When you listened to that person, uh, when you actually just like talked about Jesus, like in, in that conversation, you were helping people experience God's kingdom. When you were like mediating conflict between children, you were helping people experience God's kingdom like there are all sorts of ways that this can happen but this is the practice of and and one of the reasons we do this of journaling how we were able to experience help others experience this is because it helps us see all of our life under the lordship of jesus it helps us see that every part of our life we have already been sent into these places to be ambassadors of god's kingdom like, it's not something as like saying, well, hey, I'm just kind of waiting for God to send me. I'm just sort of waiting on the word. God is a sending God. God has always called people to himself um, and, and sort of reformed the way they live and sent them into the world on mission. You read this all throughout the, the story of the scriptures. God calls people and sends them. And here's the good news. You're already sent. Like, you're, you're already, you have a context of mission already. You have neighbors, whether you're in an apartment complex and you have neighbors like right next door or like banging on the roof or whatever. Um, You have um, maybe you're out in the country and your neighborhood looks a little bit differently, but you have people right around you who God has called you there to love them. Um, You have coworkers, people who you you spend hours and hours and hours with every day, and God has put you in this place. To be sent to to help them experience god 's kingdom, you have a family, whatever that whatever that looks like in your world, you are already sent into this place, uh, but sometimes we don't like we don't see ourselves through the lens of sentness it's not a word, but I kind of like it right we don't we, we kind of forget that wait a second as I'm here as I'm having this conversation, I, God is sending me here, so God help me pay attention, we forget that, and our mindset matters. And so journaling can help us say, all of my life, all of my life is, is as a sent one of God. And here's a quick example of this. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I heard this study about, um, a study that was done by Harvard, and they wanted to see how much our mindset makes a difference on our physical health. And so what they did is they took like 88, um, um, uh, Folks who work in hospitality, who you come in the, the hotel room and clean up the hotel room after uh, somebody leaves, after a guest leaves, and they took 88 women who, who do this, and they split the group in half, and they took 44 of them, and uh, well they took, first of all, they took the whole group, all 88, and they said, how much do you exercise? And they said, well, not enough. Like, everybody's saying, like, I mean, how many of us would be, like, not enough? I wish I had more time. I wish I had more energy. And they're saying, like, we get done with work, and we're exhausted. We've been on our feet all day. We don't have time to exercise. So they kind of feel guilty for not exercising enough. So they take half the group, and they say, okay, do better. Whatever. Don't don't change anything about what they do. They just send them back to work. The other half, they say, you know what you're doing? While you're cleaning that room, you're exercising. You're already exercising. And they, they took time to like break down. It's so like when you're vacuuming floors, these are the muscle groups you're using. Here's how many calories you burn every 10 minutes when you do these things. When you're scrubbing, you know, different parts of this is what you're doing. You're like, you're exercising all day, every day at work. And so then they just turned them loose. And over four weeks, do you know what changed with the, the group, the half that nothing, they didn't tell that to Nothing changed. They still felt guilty that they weren't exercising enough. They still came home from work at the end of the day and and were exhausted. But the group, the half, that they said, you're already doing this, experienced in four weeks uh, a decrease in weight, decrease in blood pressure, decrease in body fat, decrease waist to hip ratio, and decrease body mass index. Nothing changed except the reality that, hey, you're already doing this stuff. It's already exercise. It's crazy, right? And so this is where this connects for the the kingdom. Like to be kingdom people, we are already sent. We already go to the grocery store. We're already in these environments. And so it's just beginning to see ourselves through the lens of God's mission. And it changes us when we do that. And so journaling can help us do that to see all of our life under the lordship of Jesus. So let's take a look at John 20. John 20, verses uh, 21 uh, and 22, Jesus uh, is after the resurrection, and he, he's appearing to his disciples and, and coming to them, and he, he's turning the mission over to them. And this is how he says it in, in John chapter 20. Again, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to his disciples who had been following him, walking with him down the dusty streets of Galilee for three years, he says, okay, as the Father has sent me, and you've experienced that, you've experienced how I, Jesus, uh, saw myself as being sent, and you've seen that, you've seen the way I interacted with other people, you saw that I was always paying attention to what the Father was up to. In fact, Jesus says this earlier in John, he says the Father is always at work, and I'm working too. I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. This is what Jesus says. He says, as you've experienced me doing that, where every conversation matters, where nobody, no, like there's no like lost person, no lost conversation that I'm not intentionally connecting with them. Jesus says, do the same thing. As you have seen me be sent by the Father, you do the same thing. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And this is a call to everyday, ordinary disciples just like us. That Jesus would look at us, this, this group of ordinary people, and he would say, you know what? As a father has sent me into the world, I'm sending you. I've already sent you. When you, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, you said, okay, I'll, I'll be sent. When, when you were baptized as a disciple, you were saying, like, this is my commission. I'm, I'm sent. I'm you may not have known that at the time, but I'm here to tell you that's what you were doing. Um, you've said Yes. And, and so this is, uh, it changes the way we see things. What would it look like if we just were asking these questions? Um, Father, how do, how do I help you manifest your kingdom here and now? God, where are you already at work and, and how do I join you? And this mindset change, it, will, it, it changes everything. And it doesn't necessarily change where we go, it doesn't change necessarily what we do, but it changes how we do it and how we see ourselves. We have this, um, some of you maybe have heard of Forge, um, I hope you've heard of Forge. Um, we have this, this opportunity for a six-month internship. It's an intentional immersion into this missional way of living. And, and we finished the first cohort, first uh, group that went through this for six months. And we're actually just getting ready to start another one. And there's still time to sign up. If like if you're saying, yeah, I would love to do that. This bell stuff is like really resonating with me. I would love to just jump in and have some people around me. And to do this really intentionally, please like, look in the bulletin. There's information you can sign up. And, and jump in here in February. But to hear the people who have already gone through this, uh, there's one young family in particular who like they're in this neighborhood and they, like you, you ask them about their neighbors and they will be able to tell you every neighbor who lives within a, a block or a block and a half of their house and live in, in Hutchinson, right in the middle of Hutchinson. And, and not only would they be able to tell you like who lives where, but they would be able to tell you their stories. Because they have spent time with them and they've invited them into their home and they've created their backyard into a space where people can come and the community can gather and they are intentionally living lives of being sent into this neighborhood and it is a beautiful thing to see how God is at work using them. So, um, as you're doing this this week, as we're, we're like taking time to journal, saying, God, how, how have you used me over the last week? There are a couple of things that can maybe, like, help us ask those questions. A couple of marks of the kingdom that, that maybe God is using us in. First of all, um, God is inviting us to do some, some kingdom recon. Some king- who doesn't want to do kingdom recon? How fun does that sound? Like you, those sort of covert operations. You know what kingdom recon is? Reconciliation. Um, sorry. That's kind of lame. Um, <laughs> That one of the ways God wants to use us is to be reconcilers, to to help people be connected to God, reconciled to God, and reconciled to each other. Uh, Here, uh, this is uh, Second Corinthians chapter five, verses sixteen to twenty-one. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once even regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against us. He has committed to us this message of reconciliation. And we are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through Us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I mean, this is this amazing, amazing passage about the priority of reconciliation with God's people. That God um, wants people more than anything else to be reconciled to himself. God is our source of life, our source of hope, our source of strength, our source of wholeness. Our only source of those things. And God wants us to be reconciled to himself and then to be reconciled to each other. that broken relationships could be mended and and people could actually see each other as brothers and sisters made in God's image. And so um, we recognize that there is an enemy at work in our world who wants to keep us estranged from God and who wants to keep us estranged from each other. I mean, there's an enemy at work in our world that wants to help us see everybody from a worldly point of view. And what's a worldly point of view? Like, If you're going to describe that, what would you say? What's a worldly point of view? I think we maybe say it a bunch of different ways, but one of the, the ways the world defines people is by how we're different from one another, right? Like, we, we tend to divide people up in so many different groups, so it's like, well, um, they're upper class, they're middle class, they're lower class, right? We just Divide people out like that. You live in this part of town, you live in that part of town, you live in that part of town. You're a white-collar, you're blue-collar. Um, you, uh, you're good-looking, you're not so good-looking. Right? We, we break people up, and we're like, oh, man, maybe I can hang out with this group, the good-looking group. Um, we, we do it by nations. Like, oh, you live, I live in this nation, and you live in that nation, and so we're different. You speak that language, I speak this language. It's all a worldly point of view. I mean, you know, like, who, who made up those boundaries? It's a worldly point of view. Somebody fought a war, and they put a boundary there, and, uh, and said, well, you're different. That's where you stop, and I start. And um, we, we tend to just do this. We just see everybody from a worldly point of view. You have left-leaning politics, you, know, you have right-leaning politics, right? And you just, like, you break people up in that way. And then what we do is we, we separate ourselves from those people who are different from us, and we group with people who are like us. And, and, um, and from a kingdom perspective, this doesn't make sense. Like, Paul's saying, like, we no longer see anybody from a worldly point of view, even though we once even regarded Christ like that. The only point of view that kingdom people have for every human being on the planet, there's only one possible point of view in the kingdom of God. That's the point of view of the cross. That we see every single person through the lens of the cross. That this is a person, no matter where they're from, no matter what language they speak, no matter what they look like, no matter how much money they make, no matter um, any of that, they are a person that Christ has given his life for. And our whole job is to agree with God that that is true. And we have to fight this constantly because the world will pull us back to its point of view all the time on people. And it it happens on huge scales. And as kingdom people, like, we have to resist it. We have to say, no, no, no. Um, Like, I I have this this group around me that's saying, like, "Um, no, these kind of politics are bad. And so um, the people who are involved in them are bad themselves. And as kingdom people, we have to say, no, no, no. Barack Obama is somebody who is created in God's image and that Christ has given his life for. That Donald Trump is somebody who's created in God's image and Christ has given his life for. As kingdom people, this is our only perspective. It doesn't mean we agree with everything they do, but this is how we see them as human beings. And and as kingdom people, we understand the kingdom of God is transnational. It has nothing to do with the United States of America or Mexico or Canada. That those are all humanly world point of view sorts of things. And so we have to be able to affirm that every other person around the planet uh, who who lives in a different country, who has a different color passport than we do, that the same thing is true of them. That as kingdom people, we stand like in those places of conflict in our world and we say things like Kim Jong-un is created in God's image and is somebody that Christ has given his life for. And as kingdom people, that is our only perspective. We, we, it, again, it doesn't mean we agree with everybody and their politics and all of that or the people do things that aren't unjust and need to be uh, held accountable for, but this is our one point of view, the only one. And it, it, it goes all the way down through from those big scale things all the way down to our co-worker who drives us Crazy. And I'm the one in the office who everybody else is thinking of right now, right? If you don't know who it is, it's probably you, right? Or in the neighborhood, they're like, yeah, man, if their dog, like, comes on my lawn again. And it it just sort of filters its way down to that that person in your family who you just can't stand. We have to constantly tell ourselves, I will not see this person through a worldly point of view. I will only see them through the point of view of the kingdom, which is the cross. And maybe for some of us, it goes even a little closer to home than that. Because the person we're most tempted to see through a worldly point of view is ourselves. And we just like, we tell ourselves again and again, like, you are so stupid. You're such an idiot. Every time we make a mistake, that's the tape we play. Like, you're so stupid. Maybe I'm the only one who does this. Um, and, and we need to evangelize our own brains. To say, no, I have no right to say that about myself. Because I am somebody created in God's image and that Christ has given his life for me. And I have no right to, to say those things about myself or to let the enemy say those things about myself. Because I need to begin to see myself through the point of view of the cross. So this is, this is um, what it looks like to be a reconciler. So maybe as you journal this week, you say, God, how are you asking me to see people through the point of view of the cross? Uh, how are you changing the way that I saw myself? Are there people, God, who I need to change, who I need to see as people who you have given your life for? Was there any place where you were, were sitting with people who were in conflict and were just helping to be a peacemaker? You weren't throwing gasoline on the fire, right? You were, you were kind of putting the cold blanket or the wet blanket on it to try to say, like, no, can we actually, can we, can we talk about this? I, mean, this? I realize, like, this happens all the time in school. Right? And as families, as like kids, when your kids are in conflict, like, we get a chance to be peacemakers. And God cares about reconciliation in every place of life. So this is one of the ways that when the kingdom comes, it looks like reconciliation. It also looks like justice. Justice. Um, now, like again, a worldly point of view on justice is this: um, good things get rewarded, bad things get punished. That's justice. That's just. The scales of justice are going to determine good things, bad things. How many of you are glad that God doesn't give you what you deserve? Anybody want to say amen to that? I mean, come on. Um, I am very glad that God is merciful. That God has shown me mercy. And I hope you are too. That This isn't what God's justice is. God's justice isn't... Good things get get rewarded, bad things get punished. God's justice, biblically speaking, is that God's heart is that every person gets what they need to flourish. That every person gets what they need. And so Jesus, like when he talks about why he was sent in Luke chapter 4, he says this. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So this is what biblical justice looks like. It it, it looks like when, when God's goodness and wholeness is coming in this world. And so, how were you able to participate with that? How is there a place in your life where shalom, God's wholeness, is being vandalized? Is there a place in your neighborhood, in our community, where this, it's not happening, where people don't have what they need? And if the good news is good news for us, it has to be good news for our community as well. And so we begin to ask, God, did you use me in any way this week to to bring this kind of kingdom justice? One of the the ladies who came through Forge um, and and started to see herself as sent. she started to realize, you know what, there's this whole group of people who uh, just lives under the Avenue A Bridge in Hutchinson. Like, rain or shine, hot or cold, they're just there. And saying, like, they, they don't have what they need to thrive. And so she felt prompted by God to just show up to just put herself in that place, to just be there. And she started taking food. After kind of build a relationship, just started showing up once a week and just bringing food and caring for them and learning to know their stories and loving them. And just like being an ambassador of God's kingdom in that place. It's beautiful. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful when we are able to do this. In what ways were you able to, to partner with God to bring, uh, to bring justice? And, and the last thing maybe that we... we can think through as we journal this week, is there any way that you, you were able to point people to beauty, right? Like, in what way were you able to just help people experience that this world is beautiful? And do you know why this world is beautiful? Is because there is a beautiful God behind it. There is a beautiful God who created it. Like you, Some of you are artists in, in ways you don't even consider yourself artists, but you are. Uh, you're very creative and your work is creative, whether it's making food or uh, designing homes, um, creating music. Some of you are, are poets, like you, you just you kind of write poetry. Some of you are great photographers and social media has given you a way to do this, to just like take pictures and to capture beauty and you post them and it's, it's inspiring. And so in what ways over this last week were you able to just kind of alert people to the beauty that is all around you? And this is what Jesus does. In Matthew chapter 6, when he talks about like living without anxiety, he says, hey, look around. Look at the, the flowers of the field. Um, they don't labor or spin. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. He just says, look at the beauty, the simple beauty of nature right there. And if God cares for creation like that, how much more does he care for you? So in what way in what way were you just pointing people to this beautiful God, and so these these are these are some ways over this next week that you can uh, you can begin to think about. By the way, do you know what the most beautiful thing in all creation is? Jesus says in John twelve, he says, "Now is the hour where the Son of Man is going to be glorified. Is going to be made beautiful." And Jesus talking about his own death on the cross. This moment when he would, would take all the ugliness, all the, si- uh, the sin of the whole world, where he would take it all onto himself, and as an act of God's unmatched love, would give his life away to atone for the sins of the world. That he would respond to those of us, every human being, who deserved justice in the world's sense. And he would give us justice in his sense. He would give us what we need to thrive, to be reconciled to God and to be reconciled to each other. That Christ on the cross is the most glorious, is the most beautiful thing we will ever see because this is the heart of God's love. In what way were you able to alert people to the beauty, to the beauty of God? So, um, this is our practice for the week. Um, Here's how, I want to kind of like, I want to end Um, Sometimes it's good to just like to realize we're not alone, that we're kind of together, and and we're together, we're headed somewhere, like we're moving in this direction. Um, I don't know how many of you are into like GPS stuff, like geocaching. Anybody enjoy geocaching? Do that? Like nobody? Okay, like two of you. Um, It's fun. This is a really cool thing. It's like a little treasure hunt in your neighborhood. Um, uh, So one of, the, one of the ways, like, GPS, um, the way they work, and they're super helpful, is, like, if you're, if you're on, like, a long hiker in the wilderness, you set these waypoints. And these waypoints will direct you to, like, these, the, you know, the best track headed from here to there. One of my, like, dream hikes, I don't know how many of you, like, have, like, these bucket list things you want to do. One of my bucket list things is to hike the John Muir Trail. Uh, the John Muir Trail, if you're not familiar with it, is 210 miles, f- over 40,000 feet of elevation change, which is like a dream for a flatlander, right, in Kansas. Um, and the John Muir Trail, it goes from Yosemite Valley to uh, the summit of Mount Whitney and through the Sierra Nevada Mountains. So this is like on my bucket list. It's, it's like a two-and-a-half or three-week hike. And so what would happen is like if you, if you set out, you go to Yosemite Valley and you, you start hiking, you know, like, okay, Mount Whitney is that way, right? But y- it's 210 miles that way. So you need these points along the way that are directing you to say, I'm going to head here 10 miles and then here. These are waypoints. And so what I want to do this morning is to create one of these waypoints on the journey. And, um, and what we want to do is we want to rally around this piece of saying, we want, as a people of God, to look to Jesus, to begin to replicate Jesus, to be disciples who make disciples. And we realize as diverse as we are as a group, as, as variety, um, uh, as varied as our experiences and our, our places in life, it's going to look different for you than it is for anybody else. But that's okay. Um, but this can function for us uh, as we end our service by just, like, if you're saying, this is what I want. And I, it doesn't mean I'm there. It doesn't mean I've got this all figured out. It doesn't mean, like, man, to be a disciple doesn't mean we have... Th- Everything sort of um, the way it should be. It just means that this is the direction our lives are pointed. This is what we want. And so uh, we created this sign, and you can see people have signed it in the other two services as just a way of saying, I'm here, and I'm on this journey. I'm, I'm with you all. You can sign it on these tan parts around the outside. And uh, to, to say, uh, like, your signature is just saying, yes, like, I'm, I'm on this journey. I'm with you. And this is the direction my life is headed. And to know that you're not alone, to know that you're surrounded by brothers and sisters who are doing the same thing, who are in your corner, who love you, and, um, and who will be with you wherever, uh, wherever God takes you. So I want to just pray over this. And then what we'll do is you can, if you want to, the uh, worship team is going to come and begin to sing. Uh, you don't have to. You can just stand and sing if you want to. But if you're here and, and this, is what you're, this is what you're interested in, we'd love to have you come forward. You can sign it um i'll just tell you what we're going to do with it then uh plan to have it out in the fellowship center for the next couple of weeks and you can sign it later um and then we'll we'll display it somewhere around the around the building so uh, let's pray God thanks so much for who you are thank you god that you call us um just god ordinary people um and you've already sent us so god I pray that as we um as we God, start to see ourselves more and more as people who are sent by you, empowered by your Holy Spirit, to be ambassadors of your kingdom. God, that you would, um, you would move us closer to you, closer to each other. God, that you would help us to feel the presence of your Spirit leading us, going before us. God, that you are already at work in every relationship that we have. You're already there. And so, um, God, I pray that you would just send us, that we would feel your breath on us, God, filling us with the Holy Spirit and saying your words, Jesus, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name.